0: Are you open to the idea of serving God as a missionary? Andy
1: Byrd says you can start in your own neighborhood even if you're here in America listening, we need to see America as largely unevangelized today. There is a whole generation that is growing up with very little gospel influence in their lives. So more and more, we need to see our own cities, our own neighborhoods, our own nation is massively in need of of re-evangelization, of of re-presenting Jesus to our own nation. So I think both those things are very important in terms of living a perspective that carries a measure of urgency an importance to every day, an importance to every moment, to every relationship. Jesus never promised his followers an easy path. In fact, he told his disciples that the world would hate them. He sent them out as sheep among wolves. Jesus' words came true in the life of the apostles, and they're still coming true today in the lives of his followers around the world. Join host Todd Nettleton as we hear their inspiring stories and learn how we can help. Right now on the Voice of the Martyrs Radio Network.
0: Welcome again to the Voice of the Martyrs Radio. My name is Todd Nettleton. We are in our studio today in Bartlesville, Oklahoma with Andy Bird. Andy is part of the executive leadership team at YWAM, Youth with a Mission, Kona. He also directs something called The Send, and we're going to talk about that. Andy, welcome to Voice of the Martyrs Radio. Thank you.
1: So honored to be here.
0: Well, we are honored to have you. Uh, let's talk about The Send. You know, I think there are some events that that people look back on and say, wow, that, that was a turning point. Everything I've heard about The Send from some people who were there, other people who, who know about it, is this is one of those things. We're going to look back and we're going to say, hey, that was a turning point. Tell our listeners and tell us what is The Send? What did it accomplish? What did it do? What were the yeah. goals?
1: Yeah, no, great question. And I'm so you know, honored and excited that people wouldn't look back at any of these moments as true turning points in their life. And that is so much you know, the reason that we've given our lives for what the SEND represents. And uh, really, the SEND was birthed out of seven movements and seven leaders coming together. Recognizing that in America we were desperate for another great awakening, and that that great awakening was directly linked to America retaining its calling as a sending nation, that uh, not only did we need a re-evangelization of our nation in a sense, but we needed to grab a hold of our calling to be a sending nation, and pretty quickly we realized this was not just a national movement, but really was a global movement, and so our first event was in Orlando, Florida, 2019, and. uh, It was a 12-hour event where all 12 hours was about the Great Commission and a lot of worship a lot of space to just you know love Jesus and encounter his presence but in the midst of that all of the messaging around reaching America as our local mission and the nations of the earth as our global mission and we saw about 58,000 people come largely young people and uh, the testimonies out of it were astounding. They were so encouraging. In fact, we had over 5,000 people text in as a response to their commitment to go anywhere in the world for the sake of the gospel. Wow. Thousands of high schoolers committing to reach their high schools, universities the same, thousands committing to the, the field of adoption or foster care. And it was it was mind-blowing. I mean, we, we so believe for even more, but if, in terms of a first event, we were so encouraged by how willing the next generation is to really go. It's like they're waiting for a battle or they're waiting for a cause to give themselves for. And our goal at the Send was to give them the cause of the Great Commission.
0: I'm thrilled just to think about 50,000 people who are willing to spend 12 hours talking yeah. about missions. Yes, so right. It's like, Absolutely. Hey, those are my kind of people. Absolutely. <laughs>
1: and people told us along the way, they were like, hey, we're not sure you're really going to fill a stadium <laughs> on the Great Commission. You know, because statistically, right. the number of people that even know what the Great Commission is or could even, you know, draw the references to where, where in Scripture we get that, it's kind of low. But um, all of those people, as well-meaning as they may have been, were wrong. There is a massive desire in the heart of the next generation to make a difference and all 12 hours were about making a difference and from there we went to brazil and that's when we realized this truly was global and the Brazil story is 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 remarkable because our stadium filled up in six hours from the, the moment we announced it. Wow! And so we actually filled three stadiums in Brazil. Two were at capacity. The third one was about two thirds full. And uh, on on that day, so, a year like later, biggest stadiums. Uh, are you talking uh, the first about? one was seventy thousand. The second one held about forty thousand. And the third one was at about a hundred about thirty or thirty five thousand.
0: Wow! It
1: was astounding. So roughly I don't remember if I got all my numbers right there. Roughly 140 to 150 thousand live, and then another 1.2, 1.3 million watched online, and uh, that took it to another level. We had 100 thousand missional commitments out of that gathering, that all on an app selected a real mission field, and actually then were channeled all the way to a real organization that would train them and send them to that mission okay, field. Okay,
0: that, that was going to be my next question. Yeah. Okay, you've got all these people who are ready to yeah. go, now yes. what do we do with them?
1: So it was a robust follow-up plan. The That's app great. captured their data on mm-hmm. the day of. And then over the next month, we followed up with every single missional commitment multiple times. Wow. And usually we did it through the organization that actually was going to train and send them. So a lot of it was working in broad and strong partnerships. The SEND's not looking to recreate any wheels. We essentially want to flood these movements and organizations with new workers who are willing to be trained and commit to those real mission fields. So... Really remarkable follow-up program. And as we look to the future, like we loved what we did. We just want to see it go further and further.
0: So when is the next event?
1: Yeah, so we're looking in 2022. We decided to push everything well out of kind of the COVID world and COVID restrictions, never knowing where things are changing. And so in 2022, we'll do Kansas City in early June, we'll do Norway, Oslo, Norway in late June, and we'll do uh, Argentina, Buenos Aires in uh, October. Wow. So three events in 2022.
0: So Kansas City is one of those. I know we have a lot of listeners in the U.S. Yeah. Kansas City would be in reach for many yes. of them. Yes,
1: come. Come to the send. Come, <laughs> yes, it's gonna be life-changing. We're talking today on
0: Voice of the Martyrs Radio with Andy Bird from YWAM. You can learn more about YWAM at YWAM, youth with a mission, YWAM.org. Uh, Andy directs the send. He is also part of the executive leadership team at YWAM Kona. So, Andy, we've talked about all of these people feeling that call to missions and taking those first steps. Let's go back to the beginning of your story. How how did you feel that call, or, or how did God get a hold of you to say, "Hey, I want you to go outside
1: yeah. your country"? Yes, absolutely. Well, I'm from a small town in Alaska, and uh, actually lived a number of years out in the Aleutians, out near Russia, in a really really small town on an island in Alaska, and then we moved to mainland Alaska to a small town there. And when I was uh, a freshman in high school, my church uh, was taking a trip to the Philippines with some of our long term partners there. And uh, I went, not really very in love with Jesus, not really serious about my relationship with Jesus or serving him or anything. And I got rocked in the Philippines. I mean, it changed my whole perspective on life. And uh, ironically, I came home and I didn't necessarily start following Jesus any more seriously But I had this little seed planted in my heart. And if people asked me even, what do you think you're going to do in the future? I'd be like, I'm thinking about missions, which was hilarious because I wasn't like (laughs) very sold out for the Lord. You know, I'm definitely kind of living a couple different realities, but that seed was there. So when I finished high school, the plan was to go to university, but I had no idea what to study. So my dad let me take kind of a gap six months to go and do YWAM. And more than anything, I was excited to get out of Alaska. Hawaii sounded like a great destination. It always sounds like a great destination. And I had a little bit of that seed from the Philippines. But um, long story short, that experience was transformative for me. And I would say by the end of that, I was fairly set on um, God's heart for the nations and feeling like this could be the rest of my life, having no idea what that would mean or even look like. But I, I was pretty ruined for anything else at that point. So your
0: six months is how many years now?
1: Twenty three. <laughs> Twenty three. <laughs> Let's say uh, yeah. a short term call that, yes. that
0: turned out to be long term. Yes. Does somebody need to say I'm gonna I'm gonna go the rest of my life, or can they really make a difference in a six month span, in a three month span, in yeah. a two week span? Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yes, I think, you know, Lauren Cunningham, our founder, always says short termers make great long termers. (laughs) And so I I do think there's something to going like, hey, it might only be two weeks. And maybe the effect on me is going to be greater in those two weeks than maybe the effect I'm going to have on others. Mm -hmm. But I still think there's value in it. And if that plants a seed that affects you for the long term to be more great commission minded, more globally minded, then it was worth it. And it's not necessarily going to be detrimental to the to the place that you go for two weeks. Your impact is limited. Three months, you're going to have a little bit more of an impact and you're going to have much more of an impact in your own heart. Mm-hmm. And we have just seen again and again that it was those who started with that two week trip or that three month trip that were deeply impacted that are now seven, eight, nine, ten 10 years in speaking another language and truly helping serve indigenous movements, which is always the goal of missions, is to catalyze, serve, and empower indigenous movements. And short-termers make the best long-termers. So start somewhere. Don't disqualify yourself because it feels like two weeks is ineffective. Two weeks can absolutely change the trajectory of your life, which could affect many lives in the long term in these regions of the world.
0: Whenever I get a chance to speak to young people, high schoolers or college-age students, I encourage them, before you take a full-time job, take a mission trip. Even, like you say, yeah. even if it's two weeks. Yes. And it's not because God is going to call every single one of them to career missions. Yeah but he is going to plant some seeds Absolutely. that produce some fruit in their lives and in their churches and in their Absolutely. families. And so uh, that's one of my... I, I, I like it that you're saying I'm on the right track. They yes. should. So young people, before you take a full-time job, uh, take a missions trip. Go get that experience. Andy, you've served in, in some hard places. You've been in some, some difficult spots around the world, some places that aren't easy to live. As you look back on that 23 years, what Was there a season that was particularly challenging or a season when you started to think, wow, (laughs) maybe I need to find a different job. Maybe I I need to get out of this missions business. Have you had some, some times like that?
1: You know, I don't know that I've ever questioned um, the significance of what we were believing for, or even if it was worth it. And I think partly because throughout our lives, we have spent multiple times a year in remote or difficult or restricted access nations. And sometimes for two, three months at a time, sometimes I'm in a place for three, four days. But I think something about that rhythm has constantly reminded me how worth it these people are and how worth it the nations are and the more often i'm able to be in front of someone who has never one time heard the name of jesus the more often i'm reminded of the importance and the significance of what missions is and has represented for the last two thousand years and still is today and so certainly there's been hard times where you know finances were low or there's been times where um you know we face real challenges um but i don't feel that i've ever truly questioned the legitimacy or the worthwhileness of what we've given ourselves to because of being face to face with some of the most remarkable people i've ever met all over the world
0: how do we how do we make that spirit contagious in the american church that yeah. that the opportunity to stand in front of someone who's never heard the name of Christ yeah. and proclaim him yeah. is like the highest, the highest way you can spend your day. That right. that's the best thing right. you could do today. Right. But most of us don't think that way. We don't yeah. go through our lives thinking, well, hey, I wonder if I wonder if this next conversation is going to be that one. Right. How do we how do we make that more contagious? Yeah,
1: that's a great question. I'd say a couple things. One, I think being aware of of the global story is so important, which is one of the reasons VOM is such a remarkable ministry. And these the regularly regularly being reading the stories and aware and praying and seeing the places of the world where real persecution is taking place, or even being aware of the place of the world where there is very little gospel access. And even if we're not there or going there, we need to keep those stories in front of us. We've got to keep reading them, feeling them, being emotionally connected to them. And number two, I would say, is that more and more, even if you're here in America listening, we need to see America as largely unevangelized today. And so it's not only connecting to what might be happening in Afghanistan or Libya or North Korea, but it's also connecting to the reality that there is a whole generation that is growing up with very little gospel influence in their lives. And though maybe they've heard the name of Jesus, it's probably rarely been... A representation of who Jesus really is. So, more and more, we need to see our own cities, our own neighborhoods, our own nation as large, as massively in need of, of re evangelization, of, of being and representing Jesus to our own nation. So, I think both those things are very important in terms of living a perspective that carries a measure of urgency and importance to every day, and importance to every moment, to every relationship.
0: We're talking today on Voice of the Martyrs Radio with Andy Bird. He is part of the executive leadership team of YWAM Kona. He also directs The Send. Uh, Andy, you are also a husband and a father. How do you balance the call to missions, the call to be a godly husband, the call to be a godly father and raise up godly children? There's a lot of pulls on your on your 24 hours every day. How do you how do you balance those things out?
1: Yeah, the, the real secret is my godly wife. <laughs> <laughs> Amen. And we I affectionately call her Mother Teresa <laughs> and a lot of our community does as well. She is definitely the the strength that holds a lot of these pieces together. I think for us we've really tried to do mission as a family. And so every year I take each of my kids on a trip with me somewhere around the world. My oldest son, Asher, is 16. He's probably been to 21, 22 nations with me. And so they feel like we're in this together. We just did a road trip across America for about uh, nine weeks. We drove East Coast to West Coast and did gatherings all across America. And our kids were very involved in that, very much a part of that. And so I think we've tried to do uh, family on mission versus like dad's doing this and, you know, we're kind of here and we're sending him off again, that we really would feel a part of it together. And I think sometimes we've done that better than others, you know, sometimes we've not done it as great, but I would say our kids love the nations, our kids love the gospel, and they feel a part of what we're doing together.
0: There's not very many people that i can bring in the studio here who've been to north korea Uh, you're you're one of them yeah yeah (laughs) talk to me about your trip i mean i think the the obvious question is how did you get in how did you go yeah and then
1: what what was it like to be there a remarkable life-changing trip and i don't know if they still offer these sort of paid tours that they did a number of years ago when i went in and they would have known that we were believers, but it's, you know, if you're paying the, the amount of money you are and, and they're very controlled on where you see and where you go, then they had this kind of system set up. And so I went in with a group of friends and um, it was mind blowing. I think it's probably the only place I've ever been where the media under portrays how difficult it really is. I feel like most places I've been, say Afghanistan, um, you get a certain impression in the media and the news, and then you get there and it's, it's, there are real realities that are hard, but it was very different. Right. And many places I've been have been like that. North Korea is the only place I've ever been that it was much worse than we know. In what way? I would say in, a, in almost every way, but in terms of oppression, in terms of propaganda and the story that's being told in North Korea, to the North Koreans is mind blowing. And then I think also what I was blown away by was that at the end of the day, every human is longing for love. And we had in-depth conversations throughout our time there with some of the North Koreans. And uh, one of the comments I remember them saying is, we have never even heard or thought that there is a would be a God who forgives. That thought has never entered our minds. Wow. And I just, I just in awe that they, but they were moved Uh and they, it started very standoffish because they're taught again, propaganda of what, who Americans are and what we are. It took us some time to, to break through that. By the end, these guys were hugging us. We were, you know, playing volleyball. We were, you know, really had actually built friendship and saw such a hunger to know a God who forgives. To know a God who loves. Really, what I walked away with was not only a story of probably one of the most difficult places in the whole world right now, and in the same sense, a real sense of hope that there are no closed borders to the gospel at the end of the day, and that God is moving in remarkable ways across the world. And it's very hard to track in places like North Korea, but of course, we do hear stories. And I think what we got to see firsthand was the tenderness of people's hearts when they begin to even in small measure encounter a God who loves and a God who forgives.
0: Did they take you to church? Because I know there are some kind of public... Talk talk about the experience of going to church. So we
1: did. We went to, I think there's two in the nation, and we went to the one in Pyongyang. It's propaganda, actually. It's a picture of uh, freedom of religion, which of course does not exist. There was a number of people there, and we sang songs, and um, of course, it's all in Korean, so right. you know, we wouldn't have understood much. Exactly yeah, yeah, on. but it was uh, it was just the strangest feeling because it was so um, not real, and yet it was a church in Pyongyang. So right. interesting experience for sure,
0: and and I'm sure everything was. Uh, for your enjoyment, like like this whole yes. thing is for you to oh, see. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Everything. Look, we have
1: church. Yes. Look, yeah. we have food. Every Look. video, every restaurant, everything you experienced was for that purpose. Choreographed intensely. That's... We went to Arirang, which is the f- largest performing arts expression in the world. The largest stadium in the world is in Pyongyang, and so we went to that stadium. And that this, I don't know if I'm saying it right, but Arirang is what I remember. And uh, it's as 100,000 performers in the show. And it was mind blowing. I mean, everything about the experience was quite mind blowing. Um, but so grateful because it was very eye opening. And I think it's important to carry these stories, and I think it's important for people to not forget or give up on praying for a real change in this nation, uh, because these are our brothers and sisters, many of them living under intense persecution and incredible oppression. And uh, we can't forget to pray for them or to believe that it can change.
0: One of the things we always try to do on Voice of the Martyrs Radio is equip people to pray, how after being there and after seeing and after having those conversations how do you pray for north korea yeah now yeah. that
1: you've been there right it's a great question i'd say at two levels is we ought to pray that there is a real shift in the in the actual government of the nation. It's just we, we really ought to pray that way, that people would truly be free and experience the, the liberties that we've been able to experience in many places around the world. And then number two, I think it is the nearness and the comfort of God for the believers in the nation that are probably living under the most intense persecution or oppression of anywhere in the world or certainly in the top and uh, just the nearness of God, the comfort of God, the encouragement of the Lord, and that they would somehow know they're not alone. Because I don't know if there's a place where believers might feel more alone yeah. than North Korea, because the level of surveillance, uh-huh. Uh-huh. all of that. So I think those are important prayers. And with the the reason they're important, too, is we're, we may not get to see the fruit of those prayers, at least in a while. And we may never meet the people we're praying for. But it makes such a massive difference, and I've met with persecuted believers all across the world, and when they hear and actually believe that we're praying for them, it is a difference maker more than we can imagine oh, who yeah. have never lived in persecution.
0: Yeah, it's a game changer.
1: Yes. Andy, the last question, and you mentioned that you're
0: on mission with your family. How do we pray for you guys? How do we pray for you and your family and and the work that you're doing every day?
1: Yeah, no, um, my our family, I'm so grateful for six incredible children, two adopted, four biological. Right now we have a seventh, a little foster child that's with us. And I think our big prayer right now is even at our kids and our kids' age— that all of our obedience would end up just being the floor to their obedience. And um, I'm looking at my 16-year-old and my teenage daughters now, and I'm just amazed at who they're becoming. And my prayer is, God, that they would take it further than we ever imagined, that they would go further, go higher, do it better, more innovative, you know, more impactful with, with bigger hearts than even we did. And so I think for our family, we're very much at that stage where now I have teenage children and... And my youngest two are nine um, that that we are fully focused in many ways in terms of family at at championing the call of God and developing that call of God on their lives. And I am I am just so excited to see what God does with these kids because of what they've experienced, even through adoption and foster care. They have touched a love for others that I didn't even know existed at 16 years yeah. old. They've touched a selflessness that I wouldn't have even had a grid for at 14 or 13 years old. And so all of that makes me ask the question, who are these kids going to become? And so I, we just deeply appreciate any prayer you know, for our family and for our children as, as we continue to go after the call of God on their lives and uh, what God's going to do with them, even in the nations of the earth. Our guest this week has been Andy Bird.
0: He is a part of the executive team at Youth with a Mission in Kona, Hawaii. He also directs a powerful event called The Send. He told us about it earlier in the program. And if you'd like to be a part of The Send next year in Kansas City, you can visit their website, thesend.org, thesend, S-E-N-D If you missed any of our conversation with Andy Bird, you can hear it in its entirety at vomradio.net, or find VOM Radio wherever you listen to podcasts. If you were intrigued by his report from North Korea, you can browse our archives for more conversations about that specific country. Again, just visit our website, vomradio.net. We're not done with Andy. Next week, he's going to be back, and he's going to tell us about a young believer who was attacked in the Himalayas. Her legs were so badly injured that she couldn't walk. But Andy will tell us why she was still full of joy. Don't miss that conversation. That's next week right here on The Voice of the Martyrs Radio Network.